When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They don't come much better than our next guest for the better part of four decades. I think he distinguished himself as one of the great, if not the greatest, along with your father, politicians in New York history out of Long Island, the great Peter King. And he is celebrating this morning because his guy Garbarino got the win yesterday. Here he is, our dear friend Peter King. Peter, Sid, Andrew, how are you, pal? I'm doing great, except I think my life is going in circles because 55 years ago, I was working in a law firm as an intern, and Rudy Giuliani was signed with me. We worked together as partners that whole summer. I had to get up in the morning. I had just moved to Seaford. He was living in Belmore, and both of us would take the train in together all the way in and all the way back, and I had to listen to Rudy pontificating all the way <laughs> from Belmore to uh, uh, Penn Station. And now I have to listen to Andrew Giuliani in the morning. I tell you, it's one Giuliani or the other. You know that. Funny. You, know, you got to work. You got to work hard for that salary there, Congressman King. But I, I want to ask hey, you Andrew, one question. Great, great to have you on board there, Andrew. Great guy. Thank you. You know, I want to ask you one of the co- really coolest things that you sent me about a year ago or so was a seating chart where you and my father, and you actually had a much better seat than this, actually sat. I think with then President Nixon. Tell tell me a little about that exactly. When back when you actually were law interns, is that right? Yeah, we we're interns. It was uh, Nixon's law firm. It was Nixon, Mudge, Rose, Guthrie, and Alexander. It was down at Twenty Broad Street, and I think it was about only about eight interns we had. And uh, somewhere in like August of that year, nineteen sixty-seven, uh, Nixon was planning his race for uh, president, and we had like a two and a half hour lunch with him in the. Uh, firm conference room, and it was great, I mean, to be sitting there. You know, your father was there, other people uh, in there also who did very, very well you know, in their life. Uh, but it was great. It was uh, my first exposure to uh, actually seeing somebody at that level. And to the, and the way Nixon was handling all, all the questions, that was during the height of the Vietnam War. Uh, Johnson was still considered a big favorite. Uh, Bobby Kennedy might be challenging him. All those issues. So looking back on it, yeah, that was uh, that was a great time. And seriously, uh, your father and I, I think there were maybe eight altogether or ten, and they divided us up into teams of two. So your father and I worked together all summer. Again, I had just moved to Seaford. He was living in Belmore. So we went back and forth on the train every day together, <laughs> spent a whole day together. And it was, uh, again, he was a, a tough, smart guy then, and he uh, certainly is, is today, and he's a great guy. And he, he's the guy that saved New York. I mean, uh, it's unfortunate we we're in the situation we're in today. But New York, you know, you go back to 1992, 1993, basically, the, you know, they were doing the death toll for uh, uh, New York. It was, yep. it was dead. There was no way he was going to come back. And it did. Your father brought it back. And as you guys were talking about, uh, with all the, the great extravagant things he did, so probably the most important was the basic one of locking people up for quality of life crimes. If you stop it at that level, it sets a tone. If you're going to you know, lock a guy up for jumping the turnstile, God knows what you're going to do to somebody who's you know, carrying out an armed robbery. So it scared the life out of guys. Not, it, it, I think there were two million guns on the street when your father came in as mayor. And most of those guns may have still been there during the whole time, but the bad guys were afraid to use them. And uh, and that's the that's trick. You're never going to get rid of all the guns in New York, but you can stop 
the bad guys from using them. And that's what he did. And uh, he and uh, Bill Bratton, and then you know later on with uh, Bloomberg and Ray Kelly, they kept it going. And now, unfortunately, we're seeing what's happening to New York. Also, if I can mention one story without going too much off. Uh, I heard you talking about uh, 2001 and the Yankee World Series. And uh, it was interesting because I was actually – yeah, this is a moment in history. It's a little different from the story that Derek Jeter tells when George Bush threw out the first pitch. Yep. I was actually in the Oval Office with him that afternoon wow. where they were on a big airline security issue. Because remember, this was only six weeks after 9-11, and they were coming out with all these emergency measures. But he was distracted, and he told me he was going to throw out the first pitch that night. And uh, several months before, on opening day, there was no uh, uh, Washington team, then he threw out the first pitch in Baltimore. And he had uh, trained, worked out, because he's a pretty good athlete, and he could always get it over the plate. But going out uh, to throw that in Baltimore, they put a bulletproof vest on him, yeah. and he bounced the pitch. Uh-oh. And he said, you know, everybody booed, and they carried on, which is fine. But he said a president cannot do that when the country's at war. So he was actually working out that day in the Rose Garden with a bulletproof vest on and a heavy jacket, because he knew he was going to wear an FDNY jacket that night. So he was he always intended to throw it from the rubber. And he was as concerned about that, not out of ego or anything else, but he, he said, I can't bounce this pitch when our, our, our men and women are going into war. Wow. And uh, so anyway, he was actually working out with the vest on because he didn't want to get caught short again. And I know Derek Jesus says that uh, Bush was thinking of throwing in front of the mound. He may have said, hey, you, you, can I get away with this? And he said, no. No, he intended all along to throw it from the rubber. I remember watching it on television that night. I was probably more nervous than Bush was. Knowing what was going through his ride. <laughs> Not only did he get it over the plate, if you look at it carefully, it was actually a breaking ball. It made yeah. it right over the plate. It was a great it's amazing. Anyway, that, that, that's my little contribution. To that is a great story. And uh, uh, Bush, 43 at that point, couldn't be more popular. And unfortunately, the next seven years after that, it all went downhill. And right now, Bush, not exactly a, a fan of all of ours. But uh, while we exchanged all these nice pleasantries and niceties, and you talk so nicely about Andrew's father, deservedly so, you guys have been bitter rivals the last couple of weeks, Peter, in that you were endorsing Garbarino and Andrew very vociferous in his support of one Robert Cornicelli. And, uh, well, your guy won... But uh, Andrew still thinks the wrong guy won. <laughs> what can I tell you? All I know is my guy won, and I, I'll take it with that. Now, listen, I, uh, I've worked close with Andrew Garbarino. I've known him over the years. I remember in the summer of 2020 when it was hard to find too many politicians defending the cops during the George Floyd riots. He was out there standing outside police precincts in Nassau County, Suffolk County. He was endorsed by every police organization. And he made the tough decisions when you're in Congress. It's not always that easy. And when, you, when you're running for re-election, there's an advantage of being an incumbent, but the big disadvantage is you have a voting record. And a lot of the things you vote for are going to work out in the long run, but in the short term, they, you know, they can be used against you. And that's what happened when he voted on the infrastructure bill, which I was I, I would have voted for that, too, because it was one of the few times that New York got uh, and Long Island got the funding they're entitled to. But again, some of those programs are going to take a few years before they kick in. And uh, he and I discussed that before he did it. There was nothing in it politically <clears throat> for him in the uh, short term, but there was over the long term. <clears throat> so anyway, I'm glad he won. It was a solid victory almost. Uh, again, I think he won by 19 points. And, uh, again, the base of the party is definitely a strong support for President Trump among the base of the Republican Party. And they made this somehow that Andrew wasn't strong enough for Trump, even though uh, Andrew probably votes with the Republicans, the conservative Republicans, more than 90 percent of the time. 
But he won. Listen, it's important how the parties stay united. I don't want to be refighting old battles. We got to get the house back in November. And I'm a little concerned about it when I saw that uh, Mark Molinaro yep. did not win that yep. special election. Yep. Yep. Uh, that that was one where yep. that that that's a 50-50 district, and for him to lose it, to me, it shows we got to really work between now and November. And also going back to what something you said before with uh, Lee Zeldin, I think some of those polls are totally out of whack. Yeah. I think he could well be down now by seven or eight points. To me, that is nothing in a statewide race. If the governor is under 50, that means she can very, very well lose if uh, Lee can get everybody united behind him and really get his message out there. Yeah, I think you're right. That poll that came out yesterday that had Zeldin, a Survey USA poll that had him down 24 points, I, I dug a little through that, and to me it looked, I'll tell you why it looked, very suspicious to me. It had him down 17 points in the New York City suburbs. And to me, I don't see him losing the New York City suburbs. Forget it even being a single-digit race. I can I saw how well he was able to get the vote out in both not just Suffolk, but also in Nassau uh, in June. And I have no doubt in seeing what happened in 2021 that he is going to win the city suburbs. So see that down 17 points. You can see that that was uh, really a flawed survey more than anything else, Congressman. It really is. I don't know what kind of a sampling they were using, but you, you can talk to the most partisan Democrat off the record. They, they'll tell you that Lee is going to win the suburbs. Yeah. It's a question of how much. And I say he's going to win Nassau and Suffolk by ten, between 10 and 15 points. They have him down by 17. Yeah. You just change those numbers around, and, and the election All becomes this, almost— It's almost, a single-digit you know, race. Yeah, absolutely. No. To me, it's probably going to be a 50-50 race, but the way the issues are, and we have to focus on crime and the economy, but mainly— Crime, because even if the economy is bad, we tie that to crime. You go down the line, people are scared. That fact that that cop was jumped in the Bronx last right. night, if that's a veteran cop being jumped, imagine what the average yeah. man and woman has, has to worry about. So, no, uh, crime is the issue. And Kathy Hochul, who I work with in Washington, has been a terrible, terrible disappointment. She's right, gone right down that liberal progressive line. Yeah, but, you know, we all agree that crime is the issue, and Kathy is terrible with that. And here you just mentioned the Molinaro race, and uh, the night before that uh, election, she had the rally, uh, Kathy Hochul, for for, uh, Pat Ryan, and uh, he won. And he wasn't talking about crime. He was talking about abortion. He was talking about guns. So in the end, you talk about, you know, getting the house in, in November and how scary that Molinaro loss was. It really was scary because here's a guy that won that wasn't even talking about crime. No, I agree. But we have to get the debate around to crime. We have to, we have to focus on that. And uh, we have to, again, uh, channel a debate. It's up to us to make, make that the issue because it is the Again, the underlying issue, we have to get it out there, and it depends on the candidate. Listen, I, I think Mark Molinaro was a great candidate. I supported him you know, very much for governor when he ran back in, I guess it was 2018, and he's a, he's a first-rate guy, and uh, hopefully he'll win it in November. No, it's not – we can't just talk in our own echo chamber. We have to reach out to other people who may disagree with us on different issues, but we're very concerned about crime. We have to do it. That's what, that's what Reagan did. Uh, he brought over so many – uh, moderate, conservative, Democrats, independents. We have to appeal to them and not just make it a strict party line, you know, left or right, but pick, pick that issue, focus on it. It's the right issue. And, again, we have to get it done. And uh, uh, I think some Republicans thought, I, you know, it's going to be a red wave. We're going to win everything. You know, we may not. We should. It's up to us to do it. But we got to work hard and really stay, you know, stand united. So, Congressman, last night, it looks like turnout's going to be around 10 percent, maybe a little over 10 percent, but looks like less than 11 percent of those who actually had candidates running participated 
in those elections. I could tell you from the gubernatorial primary back in June, it was 17 percent. How do we get turnout up? I mean, we hear everybody complaining all the time about crime. You hear them complaining about the economy, about gas prices, uh, about school choice and charter schools. How do we get to the point where people are participating. I mean, I remember actually, at least when I first started following politics, you'd have at least about 40 percent, 35, 40 percent of the people that would come out, which at the time people were saying, well, that's not enough. You need to have the majority of people. But now we're looking at these terrible numbers where, you know, one in five people, not even one in 10 people are coming out and voting on primary day. Yeah, actually, in in New York, that's not that uncommon. I remember having primaries where we'd uh, maybe you get ten, fifteen percent coming out. Now upstate, they come out, you know, much, much, much bigger numbers upstate. But uh, no, it's uh, people. I'm with you. I, what drives me crazy is you run into a guy two weeks after election complaining about taxes or crime or whatever it is. Then you find out the guy didn't vote. It's <laughs> they're all the same. What's the difference? Yeah, yeah. You know, democracy is a participatory sport. It's not a sport, but you have to participate. And when you go around the rest of the world and you see other people are willing to die for the right to vote, and we have people, you know, don't want to come off the beach. And, uh, you know, to vote. What? No, it's uh, it, a lot of it's education. A lot of it's maybe they just see all oh, so much going on in, in the media. They uh, just all blends together in their, in their head and it doesn't make sense to them. But no, we got to it's up to us. It's up to us in politics and the media to try to bring people around to let them know it's important to vote. Get out there, have a voice. You know, as you know, Andrew, I mean, in, in, in campaigns, if people want to get involved in the campaign, candidates are more than willing to bring them on board. You want people out there working for you. So it's not like some exclusive club we have. We want people to get involved. And it's, again, if you do get involved, it's very exciting. It's, uh, you see up close how decisions are made. You realize how it's a lot, uh, a lot tougher than people think it is. And, uh, you know, like you were saying before, traveling around the state, people have no idea what that means. I, I ran for attorney general back in 1986, and I only lost by 1.2 million votes. But uh, you go around, <laughs> you go to you know, like Lewis County, these places, the end of the earth. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. you have to take a, 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 a your propeller plane up the Hudson River, oh, and, and and you speak at a press conference where four people show up, and then you're back, you're going over to Schenectady or Troy. Or, you know, oh. It's, you know, you know, it's a tough business. Tough. And uh, people that sort of sit back and criticize, they should realize how tough it is and how people in there, if you want results, you, you know, you got to fight for them. you got to get in there. That's why it was great that you got in the arena. And even like, for instance, uh, I, I was supporting Andrew Garbarino. But you got you know, people who ran against him. I give them credit. Yeah. They jumped in. They didn't just sit back and complain. They got involved. And uh, to me, that, you know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, uh, but Sid, going back, I, I never really thought that I was fighting with Rudy Giuliani or yeah. well, you Andrew were. Giuliani. Well, he I, thought was fighting, yeah. I was fighting with Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. I, 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 no, no, no. I had a claim victory right. over Sid Rosenberg. Yeah, you see, I have like a tree. It starts with me, but then there are leaves <laughs> on my tree. And you got Andrew and you got Rudy. It was a big fight, Peter. Uh, by the way, the most famous connected New Yorker ever. I'm going to go with Pat Riley. Uh, Saturday, you are going to be at Michael's, you and Melissa, my book signing. But I found this out yesterday. I didn't know this, Peter. John Franco was on with me yesterday. He was great. And the Mets, for many, many years, did not play the old-timers game. They are bringing yeah. it back this Saturday in right. 69, 73, 86, 2000, Piazza, Lighter, all those guys. Up to the 2015 team that lost to Kansas City will all be represented Saturday in Queens at Old Timers Day. How exciting is that? It's great. In fact, I was with Art Shamsky over the weekend. He and Eddie Cranepool, they are. Are they going? Forward to that. That means so much to those guys. Yes, of course. Now, now, listen, I would love to go, but I have to go to Sid's book signing. <laughs> and then, I, and then, 
you know, and John has that event out in the Hamptons. So I'm going to certainly uh, video it. I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I am a diehard Mets fan. Last night I was going back and forth between Garbarino and the Mets, and at least Garbarino won. No, but that was a tough game last night. Uh, God, you know, come down, the bases loaded, uh, when the door was up. And, uh, and listen, they had, you're talking about two tough teams, and it's going to be uh, coming down to the wire. I'd I, I love to see both of them in the World Series. Yeah. You know, the Yankees had this losing streak when back in 2000 when the Mets played them in the World Series. I think the Yankees lost like 10 of their last 12 games. Yeah. They barely won 87 games. That's right. They stumbled into the, into the postseason, and then, of course, they won. So, I mean, uh, and you're right also, that game, the Mets lost it four games to one. They could have easily won that in, in four, you know, four straight, but they didn't. And what can I tell you, Timo Perez, I know you mentioned Lewis County before when you were traveling around the state. It's about five hours north and 90 minutes west for anybody who doesn't know in New York. But I was actually just there with Congressman Zeldin about three weeks ago. I went last year. They have a cheese auction there. And I got to tell you, one of the <laughs> best things in the world would be next year if we could get Sid Rosenberg oh, 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 bidding on, on a cheese auction to win that right there. You know, I think I think what people don't realize is how diverse this great state actually is. If, if I ever and went there... We could buy him a one-way ticket up there. <laughs> if I ever went there I'll with Lee in. Zeldin, it would be the only time ever you had two Jews, two Jews <laughs> one day in Lewis County, New York. Hey, uh, Peter, that is a great job today. I love you. I'll see you on uh, Saturday afternoon. I'm really looking forward to that. Absolutely. Me too. Thank and you, Andrew, Peter. Great talking to you. Good Thank you, Congressman. He's such a good guy. Such best. My family loves him. My wife and a kids. Statesman. A real state. He is, but he he's is. also, but he's a regular guy. You he know, is. he likes his baseball, likes his food. He's we a very to- loyal guy. Very loyal. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.